Hey friends, welcome to Moments to Ponder. This is a podcast designed to help you spend a few moments in God's Word and take away something to ponder. I'm Betsy Marvin, and I just want to say thank you to all of you who have given me such great feedback as we walk through the book of Esther. I am so glad that these few moments we have together have been fruitful. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are on episode 74. One of my favorite movie soundtracks is from The Greatest Showman. On it, there's a song that keeps coming to mind as I spend time in this chapter of Esther. It's called Never Enough. It's sung by the character Jenny Lind, who has a truly beautiful voice. As she sings it from the stage in front of a large audience, she looks to the side to see Phineas, P.T. Barnum. And through the song, she's telling him that all the fame and all the money that he offers her isn't enough. She wants more. She wants him. So many people live their lives just wanting that one thing more that they can't have. This is how we find Haman in chapter 5 of Esther. Let's pick up the story in verse 9. Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet. But when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. However, he restrained himself and went on home. It's just not enough. He has 10 sons, incredible wealth, is second in command in all of Persia, and is revered by 99.8% of the people. But it's not enough. He is so stuck on the last 0.2% that he can't even see straight. Now remember, he doesn't yet know that Esther is related to Mordecai, so he sees Mordecai as his one obstacle, the one thorn in his side. Haman is thinking, I am so happy. I just had dinner with the king and queen, me. And then he passes through the king's gate to head home and he passes Mordecai. His emotions flip on a dime. He is so angry. He's furious. Maybe you've experienced this. You are happy and feeling good. And then one thing happens. You get cut off in traffic or forget an item at the store, and your whole attitude shifts. It's like your whole day is ruined. You forget that you are actually feeling pretty good and become solely focused on that one irritating or frustrating thing. And what do you do? Well, you have to tell somebody. So let's continue in verse 10. Then Haman gathered together his friends and Zeresh his wife and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. Then Haman added, and that's not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us. And she has invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. Then he added, But this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting there at the palace gate. But this isn't worth anything because of Mordecai? Like, really? We look at Haman's attitude here and we can get pretty judgmental. 
How can he be so singularly focused on one person that he can't get over it? But if I'm honest, and if you're honest, I can think of times when something or someone got under my skin, irritating me and causing me to lose sight of God's goodness and blessings. When I was in college, I worked on a large celery farm. And early in the season, we would go through row after row after row of little plants to pull the weeds that had started to grow so that those little plants would thrive. We learned quickly that you had to pull the full weed, roots and all, otherwise it would just grow back up. If you've ever tended a garden, you know how quickly weeds grow. If they aren't pulled out in early stages, they become larger, deeper, and harder to remove as they grow thorns and barbs. Once the plants mature, they overshadow the weeds, and we didn't have to worry so much about them. But if left completely untended, the weeds would choke out the plants and kill the vegetables. Well, bitterness works the same way. It is a fast-growing weed born of hatred and anger, and it has long roots that go deep within us. And it has to be pulled, fully removed by the roots in order to stop its growth. And this is hard, but it's so necessary if we want to be rid of it. If it's left unchecked, that bitterness will eventually spoil the entire plant, the entire you. And the more it grows within you, the more it will affect the world around you and how you see it. So if the mention of someone's name provokes you to anger, as Mordecai's did for Haman, I think you need to face the fact that you have something to deal with before that anger or hatred become bitterness within you. And maybe it already has. And it has to be removed, not just the symptoms, but the source. And the only one with the strength to remove it is Jesus. When faced with this situation in my life, my mom challenged me to pray for the person. She told me to pray that God would work for his goodness in their lives and for his healing. And to pray that my heart would change. It took time. But as I brought my heart to Jesus, he did a work in me. Because honestly, I can't change the other person and neither can you. But I can work on changing me. It's amazing what prayer can do as we allow God to take the hurt and the anger in us and replace it with forgiveness and grace. But Haman did not pray. Verse 14. So Haman's wife Zeresh and all of his friends suggested, set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall, and in the morning ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. Well, this pleased Haman, and he ordered the pole set up. Esther 5, 9-14 Haman is actually a pretty complicated man. He's filled with bitterness, threatened by Mordecai for some reason, and he is easily swayed toward violence. 
His wife and friends seem to be cut from the same cloth as they suggest using an extremely tall pole to kill Mordecai in a way that, well, in a way that everyone would see. I have a hard question for you. Have you ever strung someone up on a metaphorical pole to bring shame or punishment for something they did against you? I mean, revenge can seem sweet in the moment, impaling someone on their lie or lifting their sin high for all to see. It can be a satisfying moment. But that satisfaction doesn't last, does it? Oh, we want them to feel the hurt that they gave us. We feel the need to prove ourselves, to let everyone know that we were wronged. And to do that, we need to bring the other person down. Really? Where does that come from? Besides the encouragement coming from movies and social media for revenge, I think it comes from fear and pride. Let me explain. I think we can agree that Haman is arrogant. He constantly seems to talk about himself, has an exaggerated desire for compliments. He doesn't see his own issues. Forgiveness is not in his vocabulary. And he has that intimidating attitude that arrogant people have. Yet, I've learned that arrogance, the need to be superior to other people, actually stems from the fear of not being enough. And it's driven by a fear of vulnerability. So it hides the insecurity under all the bravado. Power, wealth, and intelligence are ways used to overcome this fear, to come against it. But they'll never solve the issue because our worth doesn't come from power or wealth or how intelligent we are. And arrogance definitely involves pride. Not the positive emotion we experience when we accomplish a goal or overcome an obstacle, but the hubris, the negative side of pride. Hubris is being so extremely overconfident in your own ability that you have nothing to do with others because you're better than all of them. So when we look at Haman, we see an insecure man overcompensating, overconfident, and all the while he's afraid of people discovering that he's actually a liar and a cheat. By not bowing to Haman, was Mordecai pricking the wounds of insecurity and the fear that others might discover he isn't really worth the honor that he's being shown? Did he see in Mordecai the man of integrity and honor that he knew he wasn't? It brings to mind this statement, hurt people, hurt people. Haman shows us what it's like to live with bitterness to suffer with deep insecurities and fears. And although it sounds cliche, Jesus is the answer. Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, our neighbors, and ourselves, to forgive those who sin against us. And this is a stark contrast to Haman's actions in chapter 5. And honestly, in contrast to many of the messages we hear in our world today. These few verses from today lead us to ask some questions of ourselves. How much of Haman do I see in me? Do I find my worth in position or wealth or how smart I am? Do I need to control others to feel good about myself? 
Have I fallen to seeking revenge when my pride is hurt? If any of these questions sparked an emotion in you, I I encourage you to lean into it. Ask yourself where that emotion is coming from. Do you need to confess or ask forgiveness? Do you need to let go of something or someone? Do you need to acknowledge an area of healing because the emotion you used to feel now feels different? If you've been wronged, as Mordecai is here, I know that it hurts, and I know it's easy to hold on to. But here are some words from God found in Exodus. In Exodus 14, he says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. If you're struggling and wonder if you'll ever reach the other side of hurt, God's words in Isaiah remind us, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And if you struggle to remember your worth, here are the words from Ephesians. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Oh, dear one, may you remember that as a masterpiece of God, loved by him, gifted by him, you already have worth. You're priceless. So from your standing confidence, pray for those who sin against you. Forgiveness is the solution for bitterness. And humility is true strength. And pride, rooted in Christ, is the holy confidence in who he has made you to be. It's knowing your value is found in the knowledge of whose you are. His child loved, and cherished. Amen.